<laughs> and that was so the West Ham game. <laughs> that was uh, yeah, and that in a nutshell was the West Ham game. A slow speed car chase. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the 4th Best Podcast. I am your host for today, Stephen Uhaldi, joined as always uh, by Monty. Monty, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm a little sick, actually, so you might want to... Well, for all of our listeners out there, I'm far under the weather, so you'd probably want to wash your hands after listening to this podcast. That would probably be good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how it works, but okay. Is yeah. that not... I mean, I looked it up. That's what the internet said. <laughs> you, go, you Googled that? Yeah. Go, yeah Google I, everything. Right. So uh, that's what the internet told me. So I'm going to go ahead and believe that. Uh, other than that, other than being sick, I'm, I guess I'm doing okay. Uh, it was kind of a meh, kind of a week for Arsenal this week. Um, we had uh, a couple games, West Ham and Newcastle games. Not our most inspiring performances. We did come away with four points from the two games, so not terrible. I guess let's, you know, let's, start, with, let's start with the West Ham game midweek. Um, that was a vanilla game. It was a boring first half. Uh, the second half, West Ham basically parked the bus, and it was just wave after wave of Arsenal attack, uh, culminating in a grand total of zero goals, so uh, an Arsenal-esque performance. And at the end, it was almost a very Arsenal way to give up the lead. Another nearly defensive blunder. Uh, from one of my favorite players who's really trying to, I don't know, erode his uh, monument in my mind. Koscielny with another horrendous pass that could have cost us the game. Thankfully, it didn't, and we walk out of there with a nil-nil draw. What, I mean, like, was there anything that you found even remotely interesting about that game? No, honestly, no, I don't. Um... Uh, when I was watching it, I was I was at work and I was kind of late for a shoot that we were gonna do here in the in the area, and I was literally hoping that something would happen at the end of the game so I wouldn't feel bad about being late for this shoot, and nothing literally happened other than you're right, Kalshelny almost screwing up uh, Arsenal's chances of at least getting a point. Um, luckily, the crossbar saved uh, Chicharito's shot. But no, it was definitely nothing very interesting. It was kind of one of those games where it's, there was definitely parts there where it seemed like it was a Arsenal power play again, where they were just dominating, dominating. Uh, but yeah, they couldn't finish anything, and nothing was really clicking. Um, no, but it was definitely a rough game. Definitely, we had Giroud start that game, so it, it's weird because it feels like, and I think I was tweeting back and forth with some people about it, it seems like when Giroud plays, we don't play the type of football that Giroud will be good at. Uh, but when Giroud is on the bench, that's when we decide to sometimes switch it up to long balls and things like that. Uh, but no, it was definitely a very boring game. Probably a candidate for the most boring game of the season. Yeah, I mean, 22 shots on goal and uh, no... Well, no, 22 shots, only three of which were on goal. So that shows you how efficient we were. But uh, your story of possibly being late for a shoot reminded me of my shenanigans for the West Ham game and why I was unable to watch the first half. Apparently I didn't miss anything. But uh yeah, I had quite a 
uh, I don't even know if exciting is the right word. Let's just say interesting first half of that West Ham game. Um, so I'm in my house getting ready to watch the West Ham game. I've got my windows open. It's around noon uh, out here in California. Uh, so I'm looking out the window. It is literally about 90 seconds to kick off at this point. Um, I'm, uh, I think the players are coming out of the tunnel and all this stuff. And I look outside the window, and there's a guy on a motorcycle going through my mailbox. And I was what? like, what? Is this what? Who is this guy? Is this my neighbor or something? Because me and my neighbor's mailbox are literally right next to each other. So I think, well, maybe, you know, maybe he got some of the wrong mail and he's putting it in my... But, like, my neighbor doesn't have a motorcycle. And so then he leaves my mailbox and goes about, you know, two house lengths down to the next set of mailboxes and starts rifling through the mailboxes. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm literally watching a crime being committed. So, you know, I do what any normal person would do. I... What with two kids in the house, like a three-month-old and a, a two-year-old, I leave them in the house, and I grab <laughs> my keys to my Prius and proceed to go on a slow-speed car chase with this guy. <laughs> and so the, he's on a motorcycle, and he already has like a, probably a good, uh, I don't know, about a full quarter mile, probably a quarter mile head start on me. And again, I'm in a Prius, so uh, yeah. not the most agile of cars. Uh, so I chase him. I chase him down the street, and uh, he turns the corner. So I, I turn the corner, and but the first thing I want to do before I confront this guy or whatever is uh, take some video of him in action, right? So it's at least mm-hmm. if I don't know, like at least I have some footage proof. So I'm driving while trying to film this guy pulling mail out of mailboxes. Uh, you know, he's on a motorcycle, I'm on a Prius. So anyway, long story short, he makes a couple turns. I, I'm kind of following him. I think it was like a right turn, then a left turn, then another left. And then I think he finally catches on to the idea that I am following him. And, yeah. you know, so he does what a person on a motorcycle who wants to evade a Prius would do. He just speeds off and takes off. So uh, <laughs> that was that. Um, Did but he take anything of yours? He actually didn't because the mail guy hadn't come yet. But... He took oh. my neighbor's mail from yesterday, and on other streets, uh, maybe these people hadn't taken their mail from the previous day. He was definitely like, he definitely had found mail in several mailboxes. Uh, yeah, but yeah, and so to make matters worse, the next day, so that was uh, that was Wednesday. The next day, yeah. it happens again. Except Same I just guy. Saw, well, I didn't see him this time, but uh, somebody posted to this like neighborhood app that they just saw this guy. Uh, you know, coming down, coming down my street, stealing mail out of mailboxes. And at this point, it's like four thirty in the afternoon, and I, you know, I went outside and tried to see if I could see him, but it was too late. Uh, so yeah. I'm not sure what the status of him is now. Every day, I kind of go out there and like kind of take a look around or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that was my West Ham. So my my first half of the West Ham game was way more exciting than yours or anybody that actually uh, stayed home to watch the game or whatever. Uh, I want to say I'm car chase. I want to say I'm jealous, but that also seems like it's very stressful. Um, and it was stressful. So we, I think we were both stressed out just for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a, a good excuse because usually before the games, uh, we we text each other to say, you know, what's what's the schedule like for the other person who has it easier. And and yeah, I, I had to get ready to get to work and do this shoot, and then. I forget how it was that I texted you like, yeah, you're good, right? And then you're like, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I have a long story, something about a slow speed chase. And I was thinking this is going to be so random. But yeah, <laughs> we all heard it. We all heard it here. That's insane. So if you do live in the, uh, in the what was it, Contra Costa 
county area, watch out for a motorcyclist just stealing new, uh, mail there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is that time of year. People do shady things around this time of year. So uh, lock your car doors and, yeah, just watch out for guys like him. Uh, you know, the one thing that kind of got my blood going is, like, as I'm getting close to this guy and i starting to think that he realized that I'm behind him, I realized that I meant to grab something that could be used as a weapon as I left the house, and I realized that I hadn't done that. Uh. So I was like, man, if this guy decides to get out of his motorcycle with his helmet and all of his motorcycle armor on, like... This is going to be a pretty one-sided fight. So, uh, so your just... so your decision making is as questionable as Arsene Wenger's decision making. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, as questionable as Lauren Koscielny trying to lob a pass uh, <laughs> to another defender in the 90th minute of a game where it's nil nil. Me deciding to chase that was, Prius. That was pretty and much. That, my ladies decision. and gentlemen, proves how much Steve is an Arsenal fan. You truly are an Arsenal fan. Very nice. Uh, right. One guy who actually did play well on defense was uh, Ainsley Maitland Niles. Uh, he played well in the West Ham game, and then also I was actually shocked that he was starting again against Newcastle. Uh, so props to him. And I noticed he was playing well. You did too. You tweeted something out, and somebody did not agree with your tweet, and they thought he was playing like mm-hmm. garbage. So obviously that mm-hmm. person, whoever it was. Um, doesn't know what they're watching, but Ainsley Maitland Niles, yeah. I thought, played really well for two games in a row. What do you think of his play? And uh, should we start him against Liverpool? I mean, Salah is probably the best player in the Premier League at this point. Uh, it would be a big test, although you would think Maitland Niles is better equipped since he's just got speed to waste. Uh, he might be better equipped. Or do you go with the veteran in Klasnach, who, you know, he's a vet. Well, it seems like Mustafi is closer to being fit, so he might be able to start against Liverpool. Um, if he's able to start, then we'd probably see Koscielny. If they play with four defenders, we'll probably see Koscielny and um, Mustafi in the middle there. Um, on the left side, we could probably see Monreal play, but I don't know. That's a definitely a good question because Maitland Niles is definitely uh, in the Newcastle game. He had a really nice run up. Uh, he kind of crossed the field and had a really nice low low shot. Uh, he's definitely proven himself as a very strong candidate to break into the Premier League, kind of like uh, Alex Iwobi did a few years ago. And Good. it's definitely well welcomed. Uh, I appreciate having somebody come in and and contest these positions. But no, you're right. Uh, Salah right now is definitely the the man on fire. Uh, it's, it's a hard decision. Uh, Wenger's had definitely a lot of hard decisions so far this this season. Uh, but this is one that, yeah, you don't know really what to expect. He's he's played well uh, against uh, West Ham and Newcastle United, but he's never really been uh, contested as he has, uh, like Salah would put uh, pressure on him. I honestly, I'm still a believer of Kolasinac, and I would love to actually see him there because although he doesn't have the speed, I feel like Kolasinac can take him down, uh, like physically take him down. Um, <laughs> no, I but, think we knew what you meant. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Just in case. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kolasinac there, although there is kind of a question mark on Kolasinac's fitness or if he fell out of uh, Wenger's favor because he really hasn't started or played very much in the last few games. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, uh, that's definitely a good question that we'll have to see as we get closer to the Liverpool game. Yeah, I think when Mustafi comes back, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that back line. If they stay with the four at the back, uh, and maybe put Mustafi in for Koscielny or Monreal, um, or do they go back to the three at the back with with the two wing backs? And then if they do that, 
does Kolasinac get back into the team? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is is Maitland Niles' ascension to first team football is that is that due to the change in formation? Is it due to um, Kolasinac's maybe health issues or maybe just lack of quality play in the past couple games? I didn't think actually he was playing that poorly. I know he wasn't playing as well as he was early in the season, but I didn't think he deserved to get benched if in fact that's what's happening uh i don't know well i guess i guess we'll find out for the liverpool game um if the formation sticks and who starts um so uh anyway but but to your point about uh mela niles kind of kind of coming out of nowhere to you know kind of surprise us all similar to what Iwobi did last year and similar to what bellerin did the year before that so um it's nice to see uh, youth players getting their opportunities and when they're performing well, given get, getting opportunities, excuse me, getting opportunities with the first team. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets used in the future because uh, Wenger had some pretty interesting comments saying that he could play right back. He could play in the central midfield. He could play left back. Um, I know I for one would not mind seeing maybe Bellerin get a couple of games off. Uh, I know he, yeah. he hasn't played that great of late. Um, and if, and if Maitland Niles can actually play in the central midfield, uh, I don't know. Maybe Jaka gets some time off. Who knows? Um, so we'll see. We'll see what Wenger decides to do. Uh, another guy who played really well, uh, really in both games, but in that Newcastle game, Ozil. Oof, that goal. Right? Is that is that goal of the season for you? I I think so. I don't know if uh, a lot of players remember, but it was very reminiscent of Zinedine Zidane's uh, Champions League final goal in 2001, I believe, when he was playing for Real Madrid against Bayer Leverkusen. It's kind of a one-touch shot um, that he had. Uh, that The angle is very awkward, and it was kind of crossing the goal. And actually, one guy that, I'm not going to say give him credit, but uh, one guy who actually helped encourage that situation was Alexis Sanchez. Uh, usually a player, because what happened before the buildup, uh, the, the ball is up in the air, and Alexis Sanchez actually contested the, uh, the header. And it's typical Alexis Sanchez fashion. He's two feet smaller than the guy he's, he's jumping up against, but he still decides to go for it. And it kind of put more pressure on the, the, the defender to do a poor clearance not too far out. And again, you can just see Ozil eyeing the ball. It's one of those situations that in real time it happens in real speed, but you probably think in Ozil's mind it was going so slow and he had enough time to kind of like a, a batter with a swing. He had enough time to swing his leg get into it perfectly, didn't do it too high, didn't do it too low. And it's, it's interesting because the goalie of Newcastle, he just stood there as well. It, was, it wasn't too far off to the side. It wasn't too high up into the corner. It seemed like it would have been reachable, but I'm happy he didn't try to block it, and it was a very nice finish by Ozil. Yeah, definitely uh, probably for me so far what, the top goal uh, score this year. It was, yeah, you're right. It, it, uh, I mean, it, I, I was just completely just jaw on the floor when it happened. Uh, you're, the technique needed to do that there's so many things going against you he had to take two steps back away from the goal so you're losing a lot of power doing that it's a it's a volley so you got that i mean it it takes so much just to not blast it like into the second deck um his his body angle but ozil being ozil nails all of those things and gets the goal the only goal arsenal would get so uh good thing Good thing we had him on our team that day. I just actually want to bring up a tweet that kind of goes on about this Ozil uh, reincarnation, I guess you can say. Uh, it was a tweet from Yankee Gunner. That's an easy one to say, so you can't laugh at me. And it is at Yankee Gunner, so that's also easy. I like it when these names are nice and simple to say for me. Um, so the tweet was, 
Things I didn't expect at the start of this season. Mesut Ozil tirelessly attempting to drag us to victories almost entirely on his own. What do you think about that? that the fact that it seems like Alexis Sanchez and Ozil have kind of completely uh, changed roles. Before, we were used to seeing Alexis Sanchez run around like crazy. Uh, it would be, you know, the, the 89th minute. We're looking for that extra goal, and he's running up at goalies. Uh, and Ozil was the guy who would lose the ball or do a bad pass and kind of just, whatever, shrug it off and keep walking. Now it's the other way around. You see Ozil running out, running back, picking up the ball. Um, and this is as of, you know, about a month ago, a month or so, this this change now. Uh, just like Yankee Gunner is saying there, how surprised are you? Because I'm pretty surprised to actually be tooting Ozil's horn and questioning Alexis Sanchez. Yeah, definitely. I would have never thought... Uh, that coming into the season, both guys into the last years of their contract, both guys being linked with moves elsewhere. And I really thought um, Ozil, based on previous performances or whatever, he had it, he was more likely to be the guy that's just walking around, just disinterested, um, you know, just kind of being lazy on defense. And, you know, I thought Sanchez was a guy that even though he might have his attention elsewhere, he's one of those guys that once the whistle blows and once the game has started, he's 110% um, and he's giving it his all. So to see this kind of flip, especially with the results that Ozil's been having lately, I believe he's got like two goals and four assists in the past, I think, six games or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just amazing. And yeah, you're right. Like He's the guy that's literally getting back on defense, uh, he's, you know, he's the guy that's visibly upset with himself and with his teammates. Um, he's the guy that stands out on the field in the ways that Sanchez, I guess, used to, uh, just as recently as last season. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know what that means for, uh, you know, like the negotiations with contracts. I, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of rumors going around that Ozil is about to sign a contract with Arsenal. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any fire where that smoke is coming from but uh, I for one hope it to be true Um, and yeah I mean Twitter just for the past couple days has been blowing up with the reports that he's about to sign a new contract he's about to sign a new deal Um, but you know it's Twitter so you never know Uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on on the the latest of the contract rumors or whatever with regarding Ozil yeah I've I've seen those uh, tweets also um, a, a few of them say a contract till 2021, another one 2022. So with, with that, that kind of keeps you kind of uh, questioning if it's true or not. Uh, we don't know if they're just throwing out numbers. But I agree. In the beginning of this season, uh, the the one guy that I wish was going to extend his contract was Alexis. And then if Ozil left, I didn't really care. Uh, but again, now it's completely different. Um, Ozil now is the guy that we would... Honestly, I would rather have him um, stay on the team. I mean, one thing that I also wondered was that maybe Ozil and Alexis, their types of play just don't match. I think we've probably talked about it in the past. They just have different ways of playing, and they don't really complement each other. And now because Alexis has kind of dropped in his form, he doesn't really lead the team anymore and has given Ozil the chance now to step up um, in, in his role. I mean... There was another tweet uh, from Danny Welbeck, not from the actual player Danny Welbeck, I don't think, and that's at Wellbeast. Uh, he tweeted, "What Alexi Sanchez gives the ball away 60 times in two games. Fans call for Arsene Wenger to drop him. 
what does Arsene Wenger do? Drops Lacazette to the bench. And I completely agree with this tweet because it seems like a typical Wenger thing. And, and there's a lot of coaches that do this where they kind of have, you know, a, a, bro, a bromance with a, a certain player. So a player can do real bad um, a, a few games. And I, he's, he has subbed him out a few games. Um, but it still seems like Lacazette's still trying to figure out what he's going to be doing. If he can, you know, if he wants to keep growing and he's not being given the chance. And then we have Alexis Sanchez there who... It just seems like he loses the ball way too many times. His pass percentage is dropping, um, and he's there, you know, just kind of creating more issues than benefits. And on the other side, we have Ozil, who's actually creating chances, which is uh, very important for us. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting point you brought out about the Sanchez-Ozil partnership and how they're differing styles of play, and maybe this is what Ozil looks like coming out from Alexis Sanchez's shadow because... uh, Obviously, Alexis Sanchez is probably one foot out the door at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, that could very well be the case where maybe now Ozil feels it, like it's more his team uh, since Sanchez is basically gone. And maybe this is what it looks like when when he's really fully invested in carrying a team. Like, he's the guy and he knows he has to be the guy to carry the team. So it'll be interesting. Uh, uh, as far as the uh, the contract stuff goes, I did some research I don't know if you can call it research if I'm just doing it on Twitter. But I tried to figure out where these numbers and rumors are coming from. And uh, the only thing I could find, I, I, I thought, oh, it's got to be like some crazy international uh, article with quotes from his agent or something, right? Like, but the only thing I could yeah. find was uh, the Arsene Wenger post-game quotes where he's talking about Ozil. Like he was confident that he was going to, um, that he wanted to stay. And then there was Arsenal Twitter, the Arsenal, the actual Arsenal Twitter account, who uh, famously posted the teacup gif uh, after the uh, or before the uh, no after the Tottenham game. Anyway, so they went nuts posting, I don't even know, like a million Ozil highlights, and so I think that kind of got everybody thinking that something was around the corner. And knowing the way some of these teams, professional teams here in America, operate with their social media and you know all that stuff. like that's not that far fetched to think that, you know, a team would start to basically build up the PR for a player. Not that Ozil needs it, but you know what I'm saying? Like really start to go uh build up the public reception of a player uh leading up to a major announcement. It's not actually not as ridiculous as it might sound. Um, but it's yeah. also not an official announcement. It's not even half of an official announcement, so it's purely speculation. Um, yeah. So it is. It is kind of interesting to see, see Arsenal Twitter and well, the Arsenal official Arsenal Twitter, but like uh, Gunners on Twitter, how everybody just reacts to things, and and I guess that's the reaction to uh, a bunch of Ozil highlights being posted by the official Arsenal account. Uh, we get that reaction. Um, but we were talking Monty uh, before the show here, and uh, you know Arsenal fans on Twitter, <laughs> like. Are kind of have like this hot and cold. I, I call it like like a binary uh, reaction where everything is like either a one or a zero. There's no, no in between, no gray area. And uh, you, I think you got like you posted what you thought would be a good lineup and got some pretty. Uh, you got some responses that yeah. were either on one end or the other. There was no in between, which I thought was interesting. Uh, what uh, remind everybody what your uh, what was what your, the lineup you posted? Okay, so this was my lineup for the game against West Ham last week that 
Um, so that it, was, it was for that game. It was coming off a Ramsey injury. I said that, obviously, Czech would be your goalie. I would have a line of four in the back with Debushi, Koscielny, Holding, and Monreal. I really want to give Holding a chance. Um, and then I would have Wilshire playing at center mid, not center defensive mid. I'd have him playing at center mid. Bellerin and Kolasinic would be on the wings. Ozil would be a center attacking mid behind the two forwards. And I would either have, I would have Lacassette, uh, it would be two forwards lined up, Lacassette and either Giroud or Alexis. Um, I would really like to see Giroud and Lacassette play for just the reasons that I think Alexis is off the field. I think Giroud and Lacassette playing together would be kind of the partnership that Giroud has with Griezmann on the French national team. You have a tall forward and, a, and, a, and then another forward who's really good with his feet. So you have two options. And then Bellerin and Kolasinic playing on the sides. And I, I, I got some love, but then I also got some people who just definitely hated me. Uh, and I think it was the first time we actually got a, some strong responses. And I'm not going to lie, it was fun. Like, I didn't, I didn't cry or anything. Uh, but I know you, Steve, you actually gave me some words that, that you didn't like it either. Uh, so I personally like it because in that formation, we have four defenders. Uh, Debushi does great on the... Um, playing more defensively. Again, this is only against West Ham. I'm not saying playing against Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Tottenham, or any of the big teams. But against West Ham United, who is a team that they're also struggling. They, they start picking it up against bigger teams as of late, yes. Uh, but with Monreal and Debussy on the sides, they don't have to go all the way up. Kolasinac and Bellerin can do more of the attacking. Bellerin, I don't want to see him playing any defensive roles ever again. He is terrible in defense. Um, but he does do some good connections with Ozil going up front. And then again, with Alexis or Giroud playing up there with Lacassette, I think that would make a good balanced team. But I know certain people out there, including you, Steve, disagree with me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I disagreed with that uh, lineup, at least. Not, not the formation, but the, but the lineup. Uh, and I mean, I think it just really hinged on uh, one thing for me, and that was Bellerin. Because I just, even though, like you said, you don't want to see Bellerin on defense. He's horrible at defense. He's good going forward. I think just because he's good going forward as a defender wouldn't make him good going forward as a wide midfielder or a, le- or a right wing or what, whatever. Um, so that's why I disagree. I, I think the fact that he's terrible on defense is something entirely different. Like to, to think you're just going to put him in on a more of an attacking type of a role. Uh, I don't think that it just, it's as easy as, as doing that. Um, maybe that's something he can be groomed for later in his career, but I don't think you could flip a switch in the middle of the season. I just don't think he has, uh, the qualities necessary to be a guy that whose primary duties are offensive. Uh, mm. But that being said, though, I think uh, uh, I don't think it was a terribly like off base um, uh, formation. And uh, you know, one thing I, I was thinking of uh, that I think that our team is missing uh, is basically the things that that Granite Xhaka can't do, which is really shield our defenders right um yeah and so like could maitland niles do that i mean i i don't know i'll be honest like i don't know how useful he could be as a midfielder but wenger wenger's seen him play and thinks that he could be a midfielder he obviously can play defense and he's super fast so he can cover all sorts of ground uh i mean maybe he could be a guy that could be like more of a uh a, a defensive midfielder um you know do the things uh, Granite Xhaka can't. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I guess we'll see. Uh, Maitland Niles is the guy that intrigues me. Um, but another thing, I actually did do again more research uh, again on Twitter. So I'm not sure if that counts as research. 
But uh, I was trying to figure out what exactly has gone wrong like on defense for most of the season. And we could talk about how Granite Jacket doesn't shield the defense, or we could say Alex Sanchez isn't getting back, or, or, or any number of players that aren't pulling their own weight. But I think if our defense needs shielding from anything, they kind of need shielding from themselves. Uh, we've given away so many goals on dumb mistakes, usually trying to start the attack from uh, the defense, trying to play the ball out from the back, mm-hmm. uh, and just giving away silly passes. So uh, against, we spoke earlier, Koscielny very nearly did it against West Ham. Um, mm-hmm. And so I went, I decided to go back and watch some of our, uh, pre- our recent games and look at how many times a defensive mistake has led to a goal. Like, just bear with me for a second. It's kind of a long list. So, <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go back from current to to farther back. Not, I'm not gonna do the whole season because you'll get the point after I do like five or six of these games. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we have the Southampton game right, which ended in a draw. Uh, but we only yep. gave up the one goal to Southampton, and it was Per Mertesacker who basically like passed the ball straight to a Southampton player. But it, that wasn't even yeah. the worst part. The worst part was was. Uh, the, the next the, the the player eventually passed it straight back to a guy that Murdersacker was marking. He ended up getting on the wrong side of that, and yeah, that ended up being the goal. Um, yeah, I think Murdersacker even stumbled. Uh, probably, he fell down or he or might have just also. been uh, running in his per Murdersacker ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, against Man United, obviously we lost three uh, one. Yeah. yeah, like right. Yeah, Kashelny trying yeah. to lob this pass uh, from you know he's basically just trying to cross it from one side of the field to the other. Uh, but kind of like what he tried doing against West Ham. Exactly, like right. Except this one was a little bit more difficult because he at least passed it farther. The one against West mm-hmm. Ham was like not that far of a pass. Like no, and and there was a super simple pass. Like he could have just passed it right to Bellerin. The West Ham game we're talking about. It was a really short mm-hmm. pass. Would have got him out of the pressure that he was facing. Uh, but no, he tries to lob it to Kalasnach, and uh, we all know how that went. And then our second goal was the one Mustafa got injured on. But before he got injured, like he's just dribbling around back there, like as if it's like there's no like there's no other team he's playing against. And of course, he gets picked. Uh, somehow hurts himself in the process. And goal number two, you know, whatever the game goes, how it goes. Yeah. Uh, you go back a couple more weeks here. Um, let's see here. Uh, the Man City game wasn't really. That really wasn't anything to do with our defense. Oh, the Swansea game. There was a we, we won that game, but uh, yeah. we did concede a goal to Swansea. Oh, yeah. And it was Koscielny who was doing the Koscielny. slipping this time. Um, yep. Coming out, slipping out. And I know you, you were disappointed in Bellerin not closing the gap, um, and I was yeah. upset with Koscielny for coming out and slipping on that, and whatever, whoever you decide. Uh, I mean, like that was just, it's just basic stuff. You know, like just run with your feet underneath you. It wasn't even a very difficult thing, you know? The Everton game, we blew out Everton, but we did concede two goals, uh, one of which where Murdersacker passes it to Xhaka, who's yep. already has a defender on him, so that didn't go well. And then Rooney scores that goal. And then even though it was in garbage time, and I, didn't, I don't really blame Monreal for it, still, just a lack of attention. It was a mis- yeah, miscommunication that, in the that, back. Yeah, where he passes it to check, like, super soft. I mean, whatever, like... Anyway, like I can go on. I've got more notes, but I, like you get the point, right? Like we've given up so yeah. many goals, like not even where the other team 
like out of a moment of brilliance created their own goals like we've probably given up more goals off of our own stupidity than other teams yeah uh intricate passing or whatever hitting shots that you know from long like we've given up goals on our own stupidity for the most part of the season so i'm not sure uh who's to blame for that because we have veteran defenders it's not like we've got uh super young 20 year old guys and it's kind of like well you know this is kind of what it how it goes with young players you just kind of kind of learn these things like no these are i mean kashani's been around forever per magic has been around forever uh monreal also um so i, I don't know I, I don't know what the answer to that is that was just something that i noticed and it almost uh bit us again in the west ham game thank goodness it didn't no i, I mean i completely agree with you and i think everybody uh listening in i mean we do talk about twitter uh arsenal's twitter and uh, just like the followers and everything and if if you were we were talking about it before the game. If you were to read the tweets uh, in the last week, you'd think that we lost the three games against Southampton, West Ham, and Newcastle United, um, and it would probably be everybody's fault. But I do agree with you that a lot of the issues is is the defense uh, themselves not being able to hold hold on like a def- defense should do. Um, we were talking about how. The, the trio of Mustafi, Monreal, and Koscielny were doing real good for a certain stretch of games. Um, and that was great and all. But it's funny because one guy who was almost going to leave us in the summer, Mustafi, ends up actually being kind of the, 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 the strong chain in that streak of, of games. I think it's when he got injured is when we were trying to fill up the position with Mertesacker and... We actually needed Mustafi, which makes you think, what would happen if we didn't have Mustafi? Uh, but again, like you said in uh, the game against Manchester United, he was at fault for for one of the goals as well. Uh, but it's definitely it's it's kind of a head scratcher because these the, those are the moments. And I, and I was thinking about the, the the big games. I mean, go back to the Liverpool game, and it seemed like every goal that they scored was a problem because we just couldn't link very well as a team and they were just counterattacking or they were just connecting when we weren't paying attention. But when you look at the way that Arsenal plays, um, it's like, it's, it's a tale of two teams. You have the offense that can't, it, they can't get that final touch into the box. And when they do, they blow it way over the box uh, or way over the goal or they hit it way too soft. Uh, but then you have the defense who it seems like they just met each other for the first time. It's kind of like a 50 first dates where it's like, <laughs> They they have to reintroduce themselves every game uh, because there's times where you're where you're seeing them and it's like as if this is a preseason game in in July where these guys are trying to warm up and figure each other's games out and then they do a stupid move like the the two that they did against Manchester United in the span of ten minutes and yeah it just makes us wonder okay well do we have to now worry about this every time because as Steve just mentioned there's a long list of these and 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 fairly recent games um, and you're just hoping and praying that that the defense won't create any issues uh, in any of the games coming up. Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure what the answer to that is. We're just pointing out the problem. Uh, it'll be up to Arsene Wenger to figure that one out. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up with a little bit of another rumor. Uh, speaking of Wenger, uh, we've got a rumor being circulated that Mikel Arteta might be replacing mm-hmm. Arsene Wenger. Uh, this was written in The Telegraph. Um, just a few hours ago. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Mikel Arteta possibly uh, becoming the next Arsenal manager. Honestly, out of all of the rumors and people that have been linked to coaching Arsenal, first off, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Our, uh, as we know, Wenger signed a two-year contract coming uh, in May this, this year, so he, 
we're on, we're not even six months into this two-year contract, uh, and it seems like it seems like Wenger can accidentally burn down the Emirates Stadium and still be he won't get fired. Um, but Arteta is a guy who is right now currently Pep Guardiola's assistant, and honestly, what other coach would you want your future coach learning from? Uh, Mikel Arteta, uh, he also plays in a very good position. Um, a lot of solid coaches uh, today, they played the same position that Arteta played, um, that center midfield role, which is actually a position that I wish Arteta was playing so he can fill, because we would definitely would need somebody like that. But Pep Guardiola played that position. Uh, another so a solid coach is Diego Simeone. I loved watching him play as a defensive midfielder or just a center midfielder. But they're that kind of point guard, like in basketball, where they see the game in a certain situation and they bring that over to uh, to the coaching role. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing Arteta uh, kind of leave Man City and come over and, and help us out and take over for Wenger. I did joke around uh, uh, that Robert Pires was going to be taking over the position. I don't know if you saw on, uh, I think it was Arsenal's Snapchat or Instagram page, they had a picture of Pires and he was wearing a cardigan with a tie. And it looked like he was dressing as if he was going to be, like he was Arsene Wenger's son. Uh, so I wasn't sure if he was just slowly trying to disguise himself as Wenger and slowly take the seat of Wenger at, uh, as the head coach. Uh, so that's not a realistic chance, uh, but I do actually see Arteta probably being a good option in the future for, for us. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I would love to, uh, I think I tweeted out that I'd love to take that risk because um, it would be a risk. It'd be a, a, a player becoming a coach, a uh, first-time manager job at a big club. Um, but, you know, we've, we've had instances where it's worked in the past. Pep Guardiola, obviously, at uh, Barcelona and uh, Zinedine Zidane at, at Real Madrid. And I'm sure there's a a bunch of other guys. And, um, you know, I think it's great that he's learning under Pep Guardiola. Uh, that's a great thing. But that's not the only thing that makes him uh, a candidate to coach Arsenal. I mean, a good candidate. Um, he's always been... Uh, people have said he's had a great footballing mind as a player. So there's that going for him. He's played and captain Arsenal, which I think is important to... If you could find that in a in a potential coach, that's a, a cool thing. He understands the history of the club and, and you know, the, what, mm -hmm. what it means... Uh, to to be a player and a coach at at Arsenal, and uh, and you know he was raised in that Barcelona system, so uh, I guess the style of football we play is what Barcelona's been playing for years, and I think you know the, all those things combined, he's he's now uh, the lead assistant for uh, the best team in the Premier League at the moment, and so I think when you add all those things up, it 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 just kind of like makes sense. Um, so yeah. I would it still would be a risk. It's a risk that I would say, you know what, I'm willing to take that risk. Uh, but it's by no means a sure thing. Uh, but like I said, I'd be willing to take that risk. So we'll see. We'll see. It's nothing. I don't think it's gonna, anything that's going to happen anytime soon. You're right. Um, Wenger has another year left on his contract. I don't think they're going to fire him uh, midseason. And, you know, I, I think uh, Arteta also has one year left on his Manchester City contract. So uh, we will see. Uh, is there anything else that Can I, you think? Oh, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I have one more uh, tweet that I want to just throw in there before we uh, end this here. Um, it's from P Trademark at Chek I don't know. C E C H Q U E. I definitely need to throw one in that I didn't know how to pronounce either because I know Steve likes making fun of me about that. <laughs> but his tweet was super funny. First off, is a picture of Deli Ali, and he writes, "Missing. Last seen diving in the Real Madrid penalty area." Please retweet so he can reunite with his loved ones soon. And I thought that was very adorable because Deli Ali, 
I don't know if you guys saw the Manchester City game, but De Bruyne taught him a lesson of how to play soccer, uh, football, and it was amazing to see Deli Ali just playing terrible. And I agree. He thought he was a star after that game against Real Madrid for Tottenham, and uh, he isn't, and that's good to know. Yeah. No, that was great. Uh, great tweet. And uh, Arsenal Twitter, we might have like given you a little bit of we want to talk a little trash about you today, but uh, you guys are awesome. Speaking of Twitter, before we sign off here, uh, we have surpassed the 1,500 follower mark, so thank you for everyone that's following mm-hmm. us. Uh, you guys are all thank awesome. You. It's everybody else that's on Twitter that sucks. So the 1,500 people that are following <laughs> us, you guys are super cool. Um, anyway, uh, I think that'll wrap it up here. For Monty, this is Steve. Thanks for listening, guys.